This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello again, everybody. I know you probably sat through the Rangers podcast and the college podcast, but this is the one you've tuned in for because David Moore is here to join me, Evan Grant, on the Ballsy Sports Day DFW DallasNews.com Cowboys podcast. Hello, David. Well, I would like to think that is true. I seriously doubt that it is. Oh, I know that that's... I doubt that people were listening to previous podcasts going, oh, if only I can get through these to get to David Moore. Because, you know, there's there's no ability to, like, fast forward through the podcast. (laughs) There's not. You have to listen to the whole thing. Once you start, you can't stop. It's like when you start reading a story in a paper. Once you start, you have to read until the end. And we know everyone does that. Yes, exactly. As evidenced by our... Uh, engaged times with all our Engagement, stories. Engagement, retention. Speaking of dis- depressing stats. But let's get to some <laughs> depressing stats. Um, so, David. Uh, yes, Evan. I, I, um, I attended the Cowboy game. On, oh, on nice. Sunday. I didn't see you there. Uh, I, was, I was down in the stands with, uh, with uh, the stepson. And, you, you weren't uh, the guy in the pink in the pink jacket and the, the big pink cowboy. No, not, not that fellow. I was that not that fellow. I was sitting real close to the guys with the hands. You know the guys who do all the dancing? Oh, the, we were, we were, the, the, yeah. yeah so, we, so you sat in the section of people with hands. Yes, the handed oh, okay. people. Okay. Um, but what we, we, what we seem to notice from our vantage point um, was that the Packers seemed to pick up a lot of yardage with every play. <laughs> they did seem to, didn't they? Uh, that was the first thing that stood out. But as, as the game went on, there were obviously a lot of questions. Um, and I thought everybody handled – everything um in, in the monday paper exquisitely but i i asked on twitter yesterday like what were your what were you joe fans um biggest issues with the game and, and i wanted to get your take on, on what was your biggest concern uh that arose from that 34 24 loss well i w- i wouldn't limit it to one i would say two uh, um you know, just the way they gashed them on the ground to control the, the time of possession. Um, and and you go back and you step back and you look at it now, and not every team can execute the same way and has the personnel to do that to the Cowboys' defense. But you go back, um, Dallas has lost two games at AT&T Stadium since Christmas of 2017. They lost to the Packers with Matt LaFleur, as the head coach, and, uh, you know, with, with Rodgers, not Rodgers, but uh, Aaron Jones running for 120 yards and four touchdowns, something no other running back in franchise history has done against the Cowboys, score four touchdowns. The only other loss came last year to Tennessee 
when Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator of the Titans. And that team ran for 125 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. So clearly, Matt LaFleur knows how to structure a game plan in order that, that picks at the Achilles heel uh, of this Cowboys defense. So I think that's something to watch going forward. Like I said, though, not every team is, has the commitment and the ability to run that way. Although I will say Le'Veon Bell is a pretty good back, and the Jets could uh, use some of that against them coming up. Well, the, the Jets' ability to actually execute anything. Well, that's, that's the issue, and question. who's going to be there to execute it, yeah. Um, and, and the other is just how the, we, But how would you say they, they picked at that Achilles heel? Because I don't think it's – I I don't think that it's a great secret throughout the NFL on on how you want to attack the Cowboys. But what wrinkles did you see from Green Bay that that maybe others haven't been able to apply? Well, I don't know what the wrinkles were as much as it was just the Green Bay offensive line dominating the Cowboys defensive front. And then... Uh, the linemen getting to the second level against the linebackers and the linebackers being out of position or uh, unable to react and, and make the play. Did the linebackers over-pursue too much? In some cases, uh, you know, I, I hate using these for like gap discipline and all of this, but they, they were believe, not. I believe uh, my stepson's uh, phrase is gap integrity. Gap he, integrity he is another one. He may have yelled gap integrity <laughs> a couple of times. There were gap integrity issues for sure in this game. But, uh, no, I, I thought it was um, probably the worst game I've seen from Leighton Vander Esch. He was consistently out of position. And he acknowledged that. And, and he said afterwards that he was – he didn't say it was his worst game, but he intimated it was his worst game. Well, so just was, saying that is, is pretty – There you know. was a lot of accountability, I thought, in his yeah. comment. Uh, across the team, uh, th- this team is very accountable. Um, mm-hmm. You go to that first turnover, w- which leads me to the other thing that, that's a concern for this team – that. The turnover on that first possession where uh, Dak throws the ball, it's slightly behind, not really behind, it's on the back shoulder of Amari Cooper he as he's slanting inside. Body a little bit. Yeah, but it's on the back shoulder. It's not like it's outside of his body. Right. But he gets back, gets both hands on it, deflects it, it's intercepted, returned, and then Green Bay scores right after that. Um, you know, Cooper blamed himself. For he said, you know, I got both hands on it. And I, I should have caught it. If not caught it, at least it's you know, a catchable get a possession. Ball. Yeah, and um, you know, Prescott went well. I should have let him. I should have been two to three inches in front of him, not two to three inches behind his, you know, behind his torso to where that was. So uh, they both take the blame for it. And 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 actually, um, while Garrett isn't one to assign blame, uh, talking to him and breaking down that play, he said. That one is is equally on both. It's not like you give one or the other, you know, the the full turnover on that. That really is kind of a split decision. Um, I would I would agree with that. I mean, yeah, I don't I would think too. I I didn't think I thought there were a lot of a lot of throws, and I think this is not this is not terribly. I'm I'm not breaking down anything that's that's a shock. I I, I think that there were a lot of throws that. Uh, you know, if, if you're grading accuracy, I, mm-hmm. I don't think you would grade them as perfectly placed passes. There mm-hmm. were a couple of nice passes, but I thought, again, Dak was not tremendously accurate. He was under a lot of pressure because the left side of the line could not protect him at all. Mm-hmm. They were just abused all game. Yeah. And, and, it, and this was not to the level that we saw two years ago against Atlanta 
when uh, Chaz Green couldn't keep anyone out. I mean, uh, Cameron Fleming didn't play a game that sunk to that level of performance in this one. But he did give up two sacks. He was called for a uh, a, a false start, I believe, or a hand, or hands, a holding call. I a think holding call that, yeah. that hurt a drive. Yeah. So, uh, but but what I was getting to, like the run defense is one, and, and the other I think is just as problematic. Is you know this is a team that doesn't turn the ball over. I mean, that's a pretty significant piece of its DNA. And now you've had back to back games where you've had three turnovers in each game. And that has never happened before with Dak Prescott as quarterback. You've never had back-to-back games. You've never had a two-game span where you've had six turnovers. Well, and as you pointed and, out, and I mean, one not. of those was a desperation throw. Yeah. So that, but, that's a high pers- – But you're in a position where you have to make a desperation sure. throw. So. And, and the other one to me that's a free – look, Jason Witten's fumbled nine times in 16 years in his yeah. career. Um, we all know that Jason's best when he catches the ball and just falls down, but <laughs> – but uh, I, you know, like, and Elliot basically has one fumble a season, right? And they've all happened here in a one two lost fumble, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, in the case of Witten and Elliot, back to back possessions, yeah. In the I, first I mean, half of a game where if they would have scored on one or both of those possessions, they probably beat New Orleans. The th- I, I, the thing, and you brought this up, your column this morning uh, in the Tuesday paper again, another really good read. Um, <clears throat> touched on this. Um, and we're not going to – no matter what happens with the Jets game this week, we're still not going to have answers on the Cowboys. They're going to go in. We're not going to alter any hearts and minds with what they do against the Jets. I mean, here's the bottom line. Unless they lose. Unless then they it lose. Would, then it would alter some. Then, then there's <laughs> – the panic goes off the charts. But they'll go into – if they beat the Jets, well, regardless of what happens with the Jets, they're going to go into that Philadelphia game not having beaten a team that had a win at the time that they played them. Yeah. Um, and that's astounding to me. Uh, and, and so it, it does really give you pause on, well, who exactly is this team? Sure. What's your take? I mean, it, you've seen all five games. I mean, you. you well. Um, what are they closer to? Well, the the Green Bay game altered my perception of, of just where this team is. Uh, at home to not be competitive and be – and look, I – I don't care that it was entertaining at the end that it was wound up being a 10-point game. It was 31-3 to with four minutes left in the third quarter. It was not a competitive game. And you can, if you want to focus on the problematic calls after that, fine, go ahead. But it was not a competitive game, and they put themselves in that position. And, and, and especially coming point, off of the a New Orleans point, game. Yeah. At the one point when they had a chance to get themselves into a place where it might be a competitive game, First play interception. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and to me, what what struck me, I think, is that th- this team is in transition more offensively than maybe I took into account to start the season because they got off so strong. You know, I, I don't think they know. Look, they they go into this week right now. I look. I think Ezekiel Elliott, who's led the league in rushing twice in his first three seasons. The only reason it hadn't been three for three is because it was suspended for six games in the other. Um, he currently ranks eighth in the league in rushing going with the Monday night game last night. So I don't think anyone else behind him would have passed. So I, he's eighth in rushing, the league's rushing champion. And Dak Prescott 
who parentally was had, had a pretty good rating, but as far as yardage, would rank down in the 20s as far as yardage thrown. Uh, only three quarterbacks in the league have thrown for more yards right now than yeah. Dak Prescott. But again, so, again, so like they're your, in this your transition. Words, your words on Monday, calling calling those stats, calling the 463 yards, the large percentage of those hollow, I thought was was perfect. It's window dressing. Yeah, yeah no sense. question. And, and they this team leads the league in yardage uh, right now. It's the number one ranked offense in terms of yards. So, uh, but they still haven't found this their identity, and I I, I think they're. They're in a position where they they want and need to give Dak Prescott more responsibility. But what you have at the moment now is one of Prescott's core principles is, you know, ball security. And now he's thrown four interceptions in the last two games. Now you can say, okay, one was a Hail Mary, one was a deflection. So he's thrown four – well, interceptions. That, there's still interceptions. There's we still can break them down out any way we want. And I think what I think that what that tells you is, and, and if you want to argue, okay, they're not on him, I would come back and counter with, okay, but here's the thing. They're looking to get the ball downfield more. What has everyone been saying this offense needs? It needs needs more of a downfield threat. Uh Dak Prescott to take that next step needs to get the ball down the field. He can't settle with throwing underneath all the time. I you know, don't don't give me six, you know, dump downs to Elliott for 30 yards. Get the ball down the field. Take some chances. Well, what's the other side of that? You're going to throw into some tighter windows. You're going to make throws you didn't make before. And now the risk-reward ratio changes. And, and I think that's what you're seeing with him. Because the other thing is here, remember, as a rookie, he threw four interceptions. Now, he's thrown four in the last five quarters. And right now, he has six interceptions. Only three quarterbacks in the league have thrown more interceptions through five weeks of the season. That is very uncharacteristic of what we've come to expect of of Dak Prescott. So to me, these are the growing pains of giving him more responsibility in the offense. Agreed. You know, I, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and, well, I guess I am making excuses, but I, I felt like, you're not going to throw the ball downfield with any success against Green Bay based on the amount of pressure that he was under. Um, the pocket seemed like it collapsed. But they did. Under. They had 17 explosive plays, which is how they grade them. Now, again, a lot of them were late. But, you know, also right. they had two explosive plays on the opening drive, and they would have had the third except it went off uh, Cooper's, Cooper's hands, hands and was intercepted. And so that's – that's what they keep pointing to, how cl- and I do think they're close. But and I do think this is going to make them a better team and an offense. But this transition is not real smooth right now against good teams. I, I still feel like, um, I, I, I know I beat this this to a pulp, but I, I feel like, and again, again on Sunday when there was so much collapsing of the pocket why not design some more uh, opportunities for Dak particularly you know to sprint out to the right and Mm -hmm. and away from where that pressure was going to come from the left I think he's good when he moves I think he and and I think that you know I think it creates 
some more opportunities to balance up the offense and, and, to, and to freeze linebackers a little bit. Um, why do they not do that? They pick their spots with it. They don't want to um, expose him too much to, to the hits he will take. Uh, they save it for usually critical situations where, where you'll see him do it. The other thing now is... But if you do it once or twice early in a game yeah, now... Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, uh, yeah, you know it's there. But I think they will argue... And, again, I'm not disagreeing with you because I, I understand exactly what you're saying. I think their argument is, well, every defense knows that he can do this at any time. It's just when we choose to do it. Right. So they still have to be ready for it and think we're going to do it even though we don't. Now, but then do you talk yourself into doing it less than what you need to do it? And that's that's a legitimate question. Um, you know, I think now another another one in, in an odd sort of way now, um, now that you have Tony Pollard that you want to give some touches to, now that you're throwing more and running less, every time Dak runs it, that's a time Elliott doesn't run it. Right. So do you want to take away from Elliott to put something else on, on Dak's plate? So, I mean, it gets to the – and again – Again, this just speaks to me of a team in offensive transition that they haven't quite hit the formula just yet on on how's the best way to proceed, at least not against good teams. They have against bad teams, uh, but they just quite haven't haven't found it yet. Because, again, I was struck that, you know, they um, – why did they run the way they did early in the New Orleans game on first down? You didn't have that issue in this past game. Now, I found it interesting. I, I don't particularly agree with it, but some teams are going, well, they got away from the run too quick against the Packers because right. they were having success. They were having success, but that game felt like it was on the verge of getting away from them very early, and I think they needed to respond early. And and they've been successful through the air in scoring this year more than on the ground. So I – I understand why they got away from, but again, it just tells you what they're wrestling with here. Because I would have argued they should have like kind of flipped the game plans on the on the two weeks, you know, if you were right. going to do it that way. What, how to put this? Why is Brent Maher still here at this point? To make a move, and this is not a rip on Brent Maher. I, I just to make a I move, you like, have to have an option, right? Who who? are you convinced is better or are you just making change for the sake of change and you're not convinced that a street kicker is going to get a be shot. more dependable for you yeah right. so with that if if they had a viable option i don't think he would be here this week but they if, don't if have you, a viable option and and I, this is i'm going to phrase this probably the wrong way but if you're sitting up there have you lost confidence in him as a kicker Oh, I don't see how they – I mean, that 35-yarder at the end where, again, I don't – You're not – I don't think they're going to win that game, but you set up the onside's kick, you get a funny bounce, you get the ball back. Green Bay wasn't stopping them at it that It gives point. you a 5% chance to come back and sure, win that game. Sure, yeah. but, but But you completely eliminated the chance, and they they took the chance – I mean, they also had the option to go for the touchdown there. Because they were moving. I mean, it needed five yards for the first. You didn't right. even have to get a touchdown to get the uh, to get a first. So they opted with where they were. Okay, our offense is moving. We'll come back and do it again because they consider that an automatic three points. 
and you you needed two scores to get back in. So, okay, let's take the easier score now and move on because it's automatic. I mean, when you don't score in an automatic situation, even though, um, I mean, that, that was a huge kick for him. It was. And uh, I don't see how you can have confidence in him at the moment. The, the only way to build that confidence back is to get in some games and he, he hits two, three, four in non-crucial situations and maybe gets his confidence back. But, um, you know, when he's on that rod hash mark, he continues to miss outside right of the goalpost. And it that's a pattern. And uh, he's aware it's a pattern. The coaching staff's aware it's a pattern. They're coaching and emphasizing to correct the pattern, and it hadn't been corrected. All right, what do you – so this game this week should not be a test in any way for this team, right? What can you, what can you gain from this game well, against the, the – Well, the if they have three more turnovers, it can be a test. Um, but, but then if you have more turnovers in this game, then I think you're heading into Philadelphia. I think you're – this game – they need to they need to clean up the areas that have gotten a little sloppy on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And even though it's against an inferior opponent where if they do this and start to show improvement in those areas where people are going to say, well, it still doesn't matter. Let's see what you do against Philadelphia. One, that is the proper response. But two, they need to start cleaning these things up. They need to go through a game and not – lose the the turnover margin 3-0 I mean they need to I don't know that one turnover a game particularly hurts you but uh especially if you're a high-powered offense I think you can handle one turnover a game not depending you, on but, when it is but you've got to either create you've, you've still got to create some turnovers defensively and, and this team has shown it does not create turnovers right so um you know I you at least have more control over over ball security than forcing turnovers that you haven't shown it's in your character to force. So let's, you you know, they always say, let's focus on what we can control. Well, they can't control forcing turnovers apparently because they don't have the talent to do it, but they can control holding on to the ball. And um, so, and, and I do believe this is uncharacteristic. I do believe this is a blip for them, but, Coming where it has against, you know, comparable competition, uh, it it's really come back to. And again, we're you know, we're saying all this like, oh well, they've lost to two teams with with winning records. Very true, and that and that does give you pause. But they lost on the road in New Orleans to a team that hasn't lost since Drew Brees has gone down, and they didn't allow a touchdown on the road. And it was, and again, it. it you know, they did themselves in, uh, in many ways in that game. So, yeah, they, they've lost two straight games. And while I would argue they weren't all that competitive in the Green Bay game, at least they, at least they woke up and showed you something. But, I mean, New Orleans was a two-point game. Right. Uh, it was just – and, again, go back to last year, Dallas beat them by three points. I mean right. – these last two games between New Orleans and Dallas, the total score has been 23-21 to 21 or something. I mean, you know, it's uh, uh, defensive battles very close. So I, I don't think there's much separation. Um, I, I think the Green Bay game was an aberration in a lot of ways. But, again, where they need to be concerned is 
Um, look, Devontae Adams didn't play for Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers completed four of 12 passes for 57 yards to wide receivers in that game. And they were still a two-dimensional team because of the way he spread the ball around and what they did on the ground. Right. So um, this defense is not – everyone – I believe everyone expected this defense to take another step based off of what we saw last year. And they have, but that step has been back. They've regressed. They have. They're not the team they defensively that they were to end last season. Before we get out of here, I'm going to change gears. What if we entirely. don't want to get out of here? What if we just stay? I, I think Brian might be a little bit annoyed with that. At Brian, some you don't mind, right? He's shaking his head. He doesn't mind. Keep going. He's, he's doing something. Yeah, that's what that – when you're – the circle with the finger, that means keep it up, right? Keep going. A loop, just loop. Keep looping through. What um, What was your take, what, what, uh, you know, on the uh, on the unsportsmanlike call on Jason Garrett? Yes. What was your take on how that was handled, um, both from the coach's perspective and from the officiating side? Poorly by both. I mean, they both let their frustration. Clearly, um they had engaged in conversation throughout the game. Uh, they were pushing each other's buttons. Uh, they knew that. And as aggressive and assertive as Garrett throwing the, the flag and looking right in the face of the – I mean, he was just as demonstrative in, in throwing the flag up in the air in response. Right you know, for the penalty. Now, he said it was for abusive language. It wasn't for how he threw Correct. the flag. It was for your abusive language. Um, but here, here, my background, yes. my background is, here's how abusive language occurs. Abusive language occurs when a manager goes and gets in the face of somebody yes. and is inches away and says the magic word. If you say something and you're not necessarily approaching the guy, and, and, and I, this, I'm not giving a great visual, but Jason was still a good five feet away from the from the official yeah. when he threw the flag. Uh, it's clear he threw it emphatically, and I'm sure he said something. There's a difference in being in someone's face and 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 yelling and possibly spewing on them while you're yelling at them because you're so angry. And the other thing is when, when five feet away, when a manager is doing it with an umpire, right? The entire stadium is focused on yes. that. There was nobody that knew There's what so was going, going on. So much going on. Yeah. There's so many more entry points on a play in the football game. Um, I was. I thought the way Garrett threw the flag was a little bit petty, mm-hmm. I, but here we are, we're breaking down. Clearly, yeah. But I really had a game management issue with the official um, and, and his body language, which seemed to say, "Oh yeah, well I'll show you." I mean, the guy leaped in the air when he was throwing the when he was throwing the flag. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that was to me that was. It was about, I'll put you in your place. I've had enough of you this evening. And is there any, is there any recourse for the NFL to um, reprimand or discipline officials? There is. They usually don't, they won't talk about it on, on, especially on that where it didn't determine the outcome of the game. Anything they do, uh, they will keep it in house. But, and you know, there, there have been officials quietly removed from crews over the course of the season for, for performance, or there have been guys who have moved around. You know, now if he's assigned for a game later this season, the Cowboys can go, look, that got personal. Um, 
maybe this crew and the best one to work, and they and they will take that into account. Now, sometimes the league will just go, well, no, you have to deal with it. But, you know, in this case where it clearly got personal between the two. And I noticed late in the game um, – I noticed late in the game, Jason Jason Witten coming off the field, and uh, it was after he caught a ball and he got pushed out of bounds, yeah. uh, and he had a animated conversation with the officials too. Yeah. So they were clearly Jason Witten didn't talk after the game, which he normally does. He was very so. Yeah, there there was a lot of extracurricular activity going on in that game. Yeah, and that, and, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, and, and Garrett will. And, and Garrett said, look, I didn't handle it properly. And he said that again yesterday. Uh, you know, if he's asked about it again, he'll say it again. Uh, he didn't handle it properly. But his frustration was born of the fact that – He was in a bad situation. Well, he, he challenged the first one, which he didn't think he would win, but it was such a big play. He challenged – But what he had was now, you know, once you – you only get two challenges. Right. So – he was. He knew when he challenged that because he saw the catch being made. He knew it was going to be overturned, but he also knew He'd he wouldn't have a challenge late in the game. And then he didn't have one when Michael Gallup came out and uh, uh, King hit him a couple of times where he could have challenged that. And, and I said to Nick as soon as the as soon as he threw the first challenge flag, I was like, "He's not going to get this overturned." But it's it's. It's, it was a thirty-eight yard play at a key point. It was desperation. At you that know, point if, if you if you don't oh, if you don't at least challenge it there, they're going to score again without a doubt, and the game's going to be out of reach. And he said that very quickly. I know we have to go since we're being glared at. Um, but you know, he said, "Look, if it was just about me or any other coach wanting to win all of their challenges, we could do that." Right. Sometimes you challenge something where you you have a pretty good idea you're going to lose, but on the chance you win at such a significant play, you do it anyway. The significance of the play outweighs whether or not it's a slam dunk that you win the challenge. Risk reward, risk yes. reward. That's what it all comes down to. All right, we've got to get like out of here. This podcast, is yes, this this podcast is about to get very risky. So we're gonna shut it down, move the table, and say goodbye to everybody until next week when we'll talk about. Brian, do you have anything to say? You a lot of other stuff. The conversation. We're done. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.